Welcome to the Freedom Challenge Online with host and director of the Freedom Challenge, Tracy Doherty. Our mission is to do good by helping enslaved women and children, to do more than you ever thought physically possible, and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. Hey there, you Freedom Sisters and listeners. We are back together to continue our discussion on aligning social justice with biblical justice views. We are observing the life of Hagar, an exploited woman trafficked from Egypt by a prominent wealthy religious man. That man is Father Abraham. We've been discussing how easy it is to slip into a dehumanizing mindset that sorts people and cultural practices either normalizing or numbing us to the devastating plight of human trafficking. By way of reminder, the story of Hagar is the first time we hear about human trafficking and that we see God's response to her plight. We catch a glimpse of God's character as he reveals himself as Elroy, the God that sees. In addition, he blessed her with a child named Ishmael, which actually means God hears. We were deeply challenged to allow these truths of God's character to not only expand our worldview, but our own personal view of God. So today I want to take a deeper dive into the same narrative. Going back to Elroy, that God that sees, now he's becoming the God that lets me see. One of my personal prayers for 2020 is to have clear 2020 vision. So it's my desire that the Freedom Challenge podcast will help sharpen and clarify your vision, the God that lets you see. Now, picking up from last time, let's start with reading Genesis 21, verses 8 through 20. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He's not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much, because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son, through your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a great nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he too is your son. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulder. Then he sent her away with the son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, And then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to see that and watch this boy die, she said as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make him a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. 
she quickly filled her container and gave a drink to the boy. And God was with the boy as he grew in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. So again, let's make a few observations and form some thoughts about this passage. We see Abraham and Sarah. Let's get rid of the difficulty. Listen, this woman was used for her body, was trafficked from Egypt, and then was sent out to wander aimlessly in the wilderness. This is just no justice, no voice. Listen. So Abraham got up early the next morning. He prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her off and their son, and they wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. Oh, my. Did you know that a huge percentage of trafficked women and children are actually abused from their own family members? This is just devastating and heartbreaking and complicated. There's no happy ending to this. Listen, Hagar received no compensation from Abraham and Sarah. This is in America. Everything didn't work out. She was a single mom. She was in the desert, wandering with no provision and no covering. This situation was very bleak. It was so bleak that even Hagar, the mom, had to walk away. She could not stand to look at the very pain that was her son. There was nothing she could do. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, and then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, and then she burst into tears. Here again, we have this idea that we don't walk toward pain. We can't sit with discomfort. Even this mom in her own pain and rejection and discomfort couldn't face and be with her own son. It was simply too painful. Let's make a few observations here. We can't escape the watchful eye of Elroy. Did you hear it? He actually found them again. Verse 17. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Does this sound familiar to you? Sounds very familiar to Genesis chapter 16. The God that sees me, the God that heard the cry of her son. There is nothing more painful than watching your child or any child for that matter suffering. Note, God shares that same heart. He gave it to you. He gave it to me. But he found them again. He found them again. He sees them again. He shows up with his withness again. And here's the engaging God yet again, connecting with her pain, listening, asking questions, seeing. Hagar, what's wrong? 
Hagar, what's wrong? Hagar, what's wrong? I mean, he knew what was wrong, but he wanted to engage with her heart. He wanted dialogue and a conversation. He didn't want to just fix her or fix it. Then he brings direction and he leads her. Don't be afraid. God has heard the cry of this boy as he lies there. Go to him. Walk toward him. Comfort him. For I will make him a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes. And she saw a well full of water. And she quickly filled her water container and gave it to the boy. Woo! Let's unpack that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He knows we're scaredy cats. And then she says, go to him. If you remember in biblical justice, it's always walking toward. It's always standing with for the restoration of humanity. Comfort him. Again, not fix him. Comfort him. Reminding her that they have a future. Even though it doesn't look like everyone else's. Even though it may have seemed unfair why Isaac stays back with the father of faith. I'm out here in the desert by myself as a single mom of the son. You don't see any of that. You just see God coming to her in her pain and helping her look toward that which seems so very undone. So now let's look at Hagar's response. I mean, this is key in the whole story. The whole climate and landscape of Hagar's heart, it changes. Verse 19 says, Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave it to the boy. So her vision has a supernatural shift. She gets 20-20 vision. The God that lets me see. Not just the God that sees me, but the God that lets me see. She went from running from this overwhelming pain of her son's suffering to seeing God's provision and responding in faith. I mean, just moments ago, she was putting her son in absolute despair under a tree for him to die and turning her back because she couldn't walk. And now she sees a supernatural well. She sees water. Here's the well again. If you listen to the previous podcast, you remember that there was a well that she named as a monument, the God that sees. Here's a well again. God opened her eye. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were in the middle of the desert and you lost your last little canteen of water and you were so despairing that you thought you needed to leave your son in the corner to die so you wouldn't watch it, don't you think you would have seen a well? This is how God changes our perspective. All of a sudden, there's hope. All of a sudden, it was bleak, and we see comfort and provision and refreshment and courage. God let her see the well of provision. God opened her eyes and let her see the opportunity that was just before her. This was a supernatural transaction. Elroy, the God that sees me, he sees my son. And he lets me see. 
He saved their lives two times, and now he'll take care of all the in-between. Verse 20. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman, full circle, from the land of Egypt. Now let's just stop and pause here. It's easy just to go right over the scripture and miss some of the meaty stuff. But not only did God rescue them two times, but he took care of the in-between. Truly, he grew up. I mean, the story could have been anything. He could have died. He could have not grown up. He could have, you know, you name it. A single mom and a child living in the desert by themselves with no covering. It could have been anything. But he grew up. He actually made it in the wilderness. Not only that, it says he became a skillful archer. Not a mediocre archer. Not a, yeah, he just kind of barely got by. He became known as a skillful archer. It says that he settled. They settled in the wilderness. Which means he was a permanent fixture. He set up shop. He had a home. He had a community. He settled where he was. And then he married. Now, listen to this. His mother arranged for the marriage. Now, if you know the culture at the time, this was a very prominent role for a man to arrange his son's marriage. But how beautiful. A slave woman from Egypt who was a single mom cast out with her son into the wilderness with no provision and no care actually gave her son to be married. Stop and pause. Elroy, the God that sees me. Ishmael, the God that hears me. He took care of Hagar and Ishmael. Now let's look at our responses to this. We should always respond to the revelation of truth that happens in scripture. The first thing I want to say is let's keep our hearts awake to love. Stay awake to his agenda. We can just fall asleep in a malaise and a, and a laziness that we're not even awake to where God is working and where he's working, especially in the places that are the most bleak and the most broken in our lives and the people around us. Like Hagar, we don't want to see the pain around us, especially when it's children that are oppressed and deprived of basic needs and freedom. It's again, we want to distance ourselves from things that are painful in our own lives and painful in the lives of others. So here's the deep truth. Just take this in. God, he is moved by the cry of a child, by the cry of an orphan, a widow, a prostitute, the oppressed, the poor in spirit. He is moved by that cry. Verse 17, God heard the cry of the boy and it provoked a supernatural movement to intervene on their behalf. I want to tell you about a story of the cry of a heart of a child. I have a friend named Minnie who lived in India and when she was born, she had crossed eyes and in that culture, her family believed that she was cursed. So she was cast out. She was sent out of the home because it was believed that she brought a curse on the family. There was a family that picked her up and basically used her as a household slave. She was a very young girl and they were so abusive to her and so mistreating of her that she attempted to take her life. I believe she was about six years old at the time. If you can even get your head around how a six-year-old would have such despair. 
God supernaturally intervened and she didn't die. She continued on in that home being mistreated. And again, in her, I would say maybe 12 years old, she encountered a Christian on the streets in India. And this Christian actually gave her a Bible and said something to her that indicated there's hope in this book. So she put the book away and just sort of forgot about it. And a few years later, again, because of abuse and neglect and all the things that were happening in her life, she was drawn to the place where she wanted to take her life again. She remembered this book. And what she remembered about the book was that it was a very kind man with a kind face that gave this book to her and said that there was hope in it. She found the book and began to read about Jesus. And just by reading about the love of Jesus... In contrast to the life she was living, she received Christ into her life and began to seek out people who could tell her more about the God of this book. Her whole life was turned around and it ends up that she married a pastor and she has children and God's used her story countless times. But I say this to turn our eyes and our gaze up to say, God is moved by the cries of his children. He found a way to meet Minnie. He found a way to intersect her life. It didn't take the pain away and it didn't remove her story. Her pain is now her story and it's part of what helps bring redemption to other people. But in the case of Minnie, God was moved by her cry, even before she even knew there was a God that loved her. I'm asking that God would open our eyes to the supernatural wells that lay around us. When we feel hopeless, when we feel there isn't a way, when we looked at a loved one, when we are looking at the world that we live in and say, how is this all going to be made right? Where is the justice in all of this? I'm praying that our eyes are opened as we gaze up, that our ears are attuned to God's priorities. Could we be open for our eyes to see supernatural provision instead of shutting down and turning away? Perhaps you, perhaps I am a well of refreshment. If you remember, Hagar was instructed, see the well, go to him and comfort him. Perhaps the well of the Holy Spirit in us is the well of refreshment. To go to him, to go to her, to comfort him, to comfort her. Maybe it's a well of prayer. Maybe you, maybe I am a well of prayer. We don't need to turn away from the pain and pretend like it's not there. We can turn toward it, as in biblical justice, and pray into it and look for God's heart, look for God's provision, look for God's way. He's sure to show up. I want us all to get a little bit more peaceful. I know myself, I struggle with this. Peaceful with the way this story is written. You know, as Americans, we really want everything to be a happily ever after package. Here's the truth. This boy, this woman grew up in the desert. They really were cast out, but they settled. He became an archer and God allowed a single mom who had been trafficked to arrange for his marriage. God allowed his single mom who had been unjustly trafficked by a wealthy religious man to arrange for her very own son's marriage. One more time. God allowed for his single trafficked mother, trafficked by a religious, powerful, wealthy man, 
to arrange for her son's marriage. That's not the way we'd want the story written, but God is in it, in his redemption and in his restoration and in biblical justice. My prayer is that this podcast turns your gaze to Elroy, the God that helps you to see, to see how he sees, to see how things really are. And as I close this podcast on biblical justice, as seen in the life of Hagar, the slave woman turned free, I encourage you to keep digging. Again, secure your why in scripture. I want to end the podcast today with some scriptures that you can meditate on. Keep digging. Keep informing your why. So let me close with these verses. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Micah 6, 6 through 8. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God Most High with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn child to pay for our sins? No, O people. The Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jeremiah 22.3 This is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue those who are oppressed. Quit your evil deeds and do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. 1 John 3.17-8 If anyone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dill children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Now this, my friends, is biblical justice. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge Online. For more information about what we do and how you can partner with us, check out our website, thefreedomchallenge.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at the FCUSA.